So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Hey friends, welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And today I'm bringing you a conversation with my friend Phoenix Hayes, who's the creative director over at Cross Exam. And of course, that's Frank Turek's ministry. So if you're familiar with Frank's ministry and you go on YouTube and you see all of the really clever thumbnails, Phoenix is responsible for all of those things. And I loved this conversation with Phoenix because it was really conversational, just kind of felt like she and I were just hanging out, talking about all the things. Some highlights of the conversation for me was when Phoenix talked about why she has officially broken up with Target. That was fun. And she talked about how she approaches the topic of gender and sexuality with her children. She talked about her passion uh, for helping Christians understand who they are, what their identity is according to the Bible, and how culture has gotten that so wrong. So this podcast is all about identity. This is a topic that Phoenix has been researching and writing about. And so we had such a rich conversation. Can't wait to bring it to you. Here is Phoenix Hayes. Well, Phoenix, I wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time. And it feels different to me because we're actually recording at night and I don't ever record at night. And you've got this kind of vibey set going on behind you. And I feel like it's just like a nighttime mom to mom after party for the podcast. So glad That's you're here. Right. <laughs> Thank you. That's how we go. That's how we yeah. go. The kids are down. Let's, yeah. let's That's what you said. This is the mom home. hour. This is the mom hour oh, yeah. when we can have time to do this because the kids are, well, your kids are in bed. Mine are not in bed. Mine are upstairs doing, I don't know what they're doing, but this yeah. will be... This will be interesting. We're going to talk about identity today, but I wanted to introduce my audience to you because I'm a huge fan of yours, and I think that you are so brilliant at combining apologetics with creative, artistic, um, what's the word? You know, genius, I think. Was genius the word is for. the word I'm looking for. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so for our audience, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you're going to get to see some of my favorite graphics that Phoenix has created. If you're listening on audio platforms and you're not watching on YouTube, hop over to YouTube so you can see these. We'll do our best to explain them, but really nothing <laughs> captures the brilliance of these uh, graphics unless, you know, you you're just have to see them. them up way too much. I know, I know. Everyone's going to be like, wah, wah, wah. No, no, actually, like, I think. I came to my laptop to see this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this first one. So here's graphic number one. And it's, I love this. It's a, it's a picture of, oh, what's this actress's name? Um, Melissa. Yes. I am blanking. Melissa. McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, she Gilmore Girls and some of that other stuff. And so it, it says, new Christians reading Philippians 4.13, which is, of course, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And she's kind of got this quizzical look. And then the second graphic, she's got her arms in the air in victory. And it says, I am all powerful. And that's, that's you know, right. new Christians interpreting it that way, which, you know, I think growing up, even I thought that that verse applied a lot more broadly than it probably does. Yes, yes. Um, and like, and I, I have to tell you, I had uh, a certain relative in mind who, <laughs> as I made this, because I remember them being coming a new Christian and also coming off of drugs, I think, at the time. So it was an interesting mix of mm, uh, mm -hmm. spiritual revelation and also like uh, weaning off of that former lifestyle and like reaching the conclusion that she was pretty sure if she jumped off a building or something extraordinary oh, wow. like that, you know, God would empower that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. but don't test that. Don't test that. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> well, it's like, I think oh, this wow. one gets applied a lot to sports too. You see people, you know, yeah, yeah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I, I get, you know, it's well-meaning and I don't like to dunk on people mm -hmm. who are 
doing their best to appeal to scripture and do that in their lives. But yeah, I think I kind of grew up with a very loose idea of what this was actually talking about. I actually, I don't know if you've seen these, but they sell them on Etsy and other places where it's a coffee mug that says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Out of context, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's one. And then this is another great one. So uh, it says, why are you a Christian? And has a photograph of a woman kind of looking a little bit unsure. And it says, because I was raised that way. And then the second graphic, she's real confident. She's holding the collar of her jacket. And she says, why are you a Christian? Because I looked at the evidence. What what led you to create that one that way? Uh, well, I've always, uh, you know, you, you know, when, when you're living in the world of apologetics, you come to cringe with the whole, well, I just believe it, or I was raised that way. Like that's, that's the, the intellectual kryptonite for someone mm. is you're just like, no, no, that's the, that's the first thing you've got to toss out. You, you, you've got to, yeah. um, and you know, add support to your building here and you've, um, anyway, I'm, t- I'm preaching to the choir on this. So I already had the idea in my head. I'm scrolling through. I, I look at a lot of memes cause they're funny and, um, it gives me ideas. And though I think this one was based off, maybe there's a popular Drake meme with the whole, no, yes. And I was like, okay, I don't want to redo that. Let's, let's add, um, rebel Wilson in here. And that's rebel Wilson, uh, the actress. And she's known as fat Amy on the pitch perfect series. And, I was just like, yeah, I like Rebel Wilson and this is funny. And I found two perfect pictures to juxtapose next to each other. And I just kind of made it mine for my people. And that's that's where it came from. And how long did it take you to find those per- perfect pictures of her for that? <laughs> the the first one was easy because that's that's your classic Fat Amy Um that Amy is the character's name. Yeah, not you're not Amy. calling her fat, just for, <laughs> right, right. for reference. <laughs> um, the second one was more challenging because you needed just the right amount of confidence, but not like too yeah. much. Like, so that was more challenging. Yeah. That's great. Okay, this is the third one. And this is a letter and it says, <laughs> this is so great. If Paul saw the church in America, we'd be getting a letter. Yeah, yeah. I just, we would. I, we would. We'd be yeah. getting a letter. Um, Probably strongly. a few letters. A few letters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would like the letter we'd get now would be like per my last letter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Okay. Now, now this one, Phoenix, is my personal favorite. When Mike and I saw this this next one, I think we laughed for two days straight. <laughs> so I'm going to show this on the screen. So it's a picture of a girl with a big apple in her mouth. She's just got the apple in her mouth and it says God. So there's just one rule and you don't get even through the word and it's Eve. She's just got that apple shoved in her mouth. We laughed for two days. (laughs) I remember I remember you showed this to me on your phone back in Ohio last year. Mm -hmm. You were an instructor for CIA. And we're in the hotel lobby and you and Mike and uh, your son, they were laughing at it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I'm and glad we I laughed again tonight, loading it in. Mike and was like, was like oh, this was so great. And I have to tell you, you earned a like from Mike on Instagram. And this is the thing about my husband. He's on Instagram, but he does not interact on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can't think of the last time he actually clicked like on anything. But he was like, oh. I had to click like on that. That was so funny. <laughs> Tough critic. Tough critic. Tough critic, yes. So you got his approval. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know if you remember this, but you, your graphic abilities almost got me canceled one day. Do you remember this? I do. I do remember the fallout (laughs) and the tremendous guilt that came with it. But it made for a funny talking point when I had to then do a presentation later on the the topic. (laughs) Yes. So I was was, uh, at, well, I was getting ready to do a... Uh, class through cross-examined the uh, Christian. What is what is it called that we do the classes through the online Christian courses? Online Christian courses, right? On progressive mm-hmm. Christianity. So in the advertising course, you work with cross-examine a lot of their graphics, and you had created this graphic that was reminiscent of the Matrix with the red pill and the blue pill, and mm-hmm. you know the idea was: Are you going to choose real Christianity or? 
you know, this progressive Christianity. And I thought it was a really cool idea. And we've sent it out to social media. Well, I go off to Costco. I disconnect from the internet for the day. I'm just enjoying my Costco run. And I come back and my book club is like blowing up with, oh my gosh, have you seen what's going on with Elisa? And and this, I guess it was some discernment um, group, Facebook group that had basically said that I was teaching new age because apparently there's something mm-hmm. in the new age that does the red pill and the blue pill. And so mm-hmm. it had just blown up. They were calling me a false teacher and all this. And so I think I came on and said something like, okay, guys, like, let's think of this through. It's just a graphic. And I didn't know you had created it, but then you came on and were like, well, I'm so sorry. I feel partially <laughs> responsible for the collapse of your career. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, you're not that powerful. So, (laughs) thank goodness. Thank goodness. You went to Costco and there was already three like articles written about you to put you on watch lists. That's right. That's right. So, thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's fame or infamy. Either way, I think it helped. Maybe it's it's all publicity. We'll take it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No bad publicity. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, Um, um, mm. obviously, you have a creative background. And I just love how you use that in your approach to share the gospel and even through apologetics. So talk a little bit about your background and because I just love what you do. I want everybody to go follow you on Instagram because you just come up with these really creative ways to communicate truth. And so how does that creative background, how did that lead you into apologetics? Uh, it's I have a crazy background. I went to, I actually did film and television in college. And came out thinking, I'm never going to be able to work in film or television because I actually want to have a family and kids and I don't want to be on the road constantly and and all those things. So then I had to sort of rethink, okay, how am I going to use this training and my love for the audiovisual arts and use it to help the church and just expand the kingdom and that, you know, then... uh, marriage happened and children happened and when you're you know a stay-at-home mom with littles and you're kind of just trying to find ways to earn extra income you're no longer pursuing that big career anymore maybe you know at least that's on pause for a season Mm -hmm. um i stumbled into my role with cross-examined which is perfect because it's remote and it was part-time at the time and of course that's all changed now i'm the mac uh, the creative director there which is just like the job gift from heaven that God (laughs) matched me up with. Um, And yes, I've just, I've always thought, you know, we all, we're also heavily influenced by what we're consuming day after day. And it's usually in a visual and audio format that um, the Christian world just hasn't honestly tapped into it in the way that they have in the music world. I Mm. mean, we, we can all agree said but true the christian film industry is not on par with the christian music industry yeah you know? it's getting better but yeah i agree it's not mm-hmm. there yeah right it's taken a lot longer i mean yeah. i i can think even 10 15 years ago the christian music industry industry was competitive and you you didn't turn it off and immediately cringe and think oh mm. this is a christian song isn't it yeah um but not so much with <laughs> christian film so um yeah and of course if you want to reach the you know younger generation that's what they're used to that's where that's the strongest form of communication for them so it just makes sense to think of ways to present truth in a creative way i often i often i i chastise myself at the amount of time sometimes that i put into my graphics because i think of the other people who are perhaps better known that are all about just chugging out content, content, Mm -hmm. content, content. And they grow like wildfire because they're still getting the message out and it doesn't look pretty, but it it doesn't matter. It doesn't harm them. And I think maybe I'm just putting too much time into just making it look fun and quirky, but uh, I enjoy it. And it's, it's, it's a creative outlet for me. And Honestly, a lot of the stuff that we have to talk about is heavy, yeah, uh, especially right. 
um i mean if it's not going into the the heavy spiritual aspect or the emotional aspect or past hurts past trauma now for me lately i'm certainly diving into a lot of the cultural apologetics and sexual ethics and gender identity all that stuff is thick and heavy and loaded and layered and i just i need to find lighter ways to break that up because it's still me i'm not Mm -hmm. um I, i like to talk about those dark and convoluted things but at the same time i'm still this colorful probably slightly off color humor person (laughs) (laughs) well you do it really well you do it really well and a lot of you know we we shared some of the the funnier ones that had more to do with bible verses and theology but you do share a lot of heavy cultural content but you do it in a way I I think you've described it perfectly. It kind of lightens it a little bit, even brings in a slight bit of humor. And I think it gives a lot of Christians confidence because so many Christians are looking out into culture saying, the world has lost its mind. You know, am I the crazy one? What is going on? And so, so much of what you do and what it seems you're really passionate about is just this topic of identity, which is what I wanted to talk about with you on the podcast today, because you're actually working on a book uh, having to do with identity. So, but, but your background is, you know, graphic design and then apologetics. So how does apologetics in your mind work together with identity? It's so I was already, like you said, I was already very interested in the idea of identity. Um, it's, I think it's different people wrestle with it uh, for different reasons and certainly some far more than others. My own background, just figuring out who I was as, figuring out who I was as a woman in the modern age. So I wanted to be a thinker. I wanted to be aggressive in my career. I wanted those things. But at the same time, I wasn't prepared to deny family and those traditions. And I've got nothing again. You know, I'm not a feminist. I, I'm not looking to usurp my role. I, I like having a husband and being under his authority and having a, um, a, a healthy relationship um, with him. I being born in a different country in New Zealand, I felt very out of place there and I couldn't figure out why because it's like, this is the only country I've lived. Why don't I feel at home? Mm. Lo and behold, I moved to the USA and felt more at home than ever. So then it's a question of, well, who am I? Am I a Kiwi? Am I, am I an American? What's going Like just these funny questions you ask yourself in your teens and 20s. And, um, uh, and, and then on top of that, uh, I, I feel like I have a lot of very masculine qualities. I I, I, I feel like I often relate better with men. I relate better to male characters in film and, and um, TV, but in no way am I interested in giving up my femininity. And so I, I hate the idea that women are being told that they do need mm. to, that there somehow isn't a category for that, to be completely female and yet understand that not every female wants to do traditional female things or yeah, like, or even like some of those socially constructed things that would be right. identified as female. I, and because it's so, I love that you said that because if you look out into our culture, culture would, if you were younger and you were to say some of those things, culture would say, well, Phoenix, maybe you're really a man. Maybe you need right. to change your identity inside. Right. And and that's so ridiculous because people are just more multifaceted than that. And, um, you know, I wrote about in my book, I had a whole chapter on identity and I called the chapter cheerleader because I was at a, a conference that was aimed at young girls and, and they had each of us sort yeah. of take on a persona. And yes, I was a cheerleader, but that wasn't like my core identity, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of what my core identity was for this particular conference. And Mm -hmm. I I knew that that was wrong, but I did realize over time how so much of the things that I thought was my identity really aren't my identity. I thought Mm -hmm. being a gymnast when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I thought that was my core identity. I am a gymnast. And then Mm -hmm. when the Lord sort of maneuvered some things in my life to to remove that dream from my heart, which I'm thankful for. But then it was, I'm going to, you know, singer-songwriter. The gym industry is also, I think. No, I'm kidding. kidding. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, then it's like music. Music is my identity. And then that really never happened the way I envisioned it. So it was like, wow, like, who am I if I don't do music? And that's when the Lord really took me through a lot of different circumstances, of course, even in my faith crisis and coming out on the other side of it, realizing man, it doesn't, what I do, 
my dreams, who I'm attracted to, my sexuality, whatever these things are, these are not my core identity. Whereas culture would say your sexuality is your core identity, your dreams, who you're, you know, who you're attracted to, all sorts of things about you that that are not our core identity. And so I really appreciate and I hope that more people will start talking about identity, mm. um, yeah. especially today because of, like I said, from maybe Marx and Freud, we've received this idea that our core identity is our sexuality. And this is something you talk quite a bit about on Instagram. So yeah. um, talk about that, you know, as, as you see it when you're when you're thinking about identity and how our culture has become so confused on that, especially in the area of sexuality. Um, it's just, it's so interesting if you go into the undercurrents of where primarily the gender identity theology, sorry, not theology, not the theology, the ideology, whoops, mm. came from. Because <laughs> um, of course, what preceded that was the sexual identity stuff. And then the question is what preceded that? Well, it was the free love movement. And what preceded that? Oh, well, we're, wasn't everybody just, you know, happy little housewives in the 40s at that point? No, now we're in the late 17, late 18th century, where you've got um, the likes of Freud trying to completely reduce the human existence to, as you say, their sexuality. And they realize if we can tell people that this is the sum of who you are mm -hmm. and you have no control over it, we can now separate you and your social and moral obligations, your religious obligations, all those things and detach it. And we like, we can just keep feeding into this, um, the id, the, 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 the lust, the, the flesh, the carnal. And, um, if we can convince you that that's your identity, then it's, it's off limits. No one can question it because mm. one, it's something you can't change. Like it's, it's the wiring of your body and it's, um, it would just be hateful to, for it'd be hateful to come after someone because they have brown eyes. You can't come after someone because of certain orientation. Um, and if it's the core of who they are, who are you to say that there's anything wrong with it? So it's, it's just been this brilliant maneuver for, you know, well over a hundred years to get us to where we are now. And we're really almost, we're not quite at the end of it. I would say the end of that separation is full blown pedophilia and bestiality, which everyone yeah. will say, we're not, we're never going to go there. We're, 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 we're there. Um, yeah. it's just not no, for sure. popular. Yeah. Aren't they already so, trying to lower the age of consent with yes. children? Yeah, I think it's yeah. the United Nations that has made a, um, a motion to do it. If it if if not, it may have been approved. But yes. yeah, because it's not in their minds. It's not. Yeah, and and they'll say, well, it's not pedophilia, if it's you know if they're of age. But if you lower the age, then we're still talking about pedophilia. That's so That's sad. Right. That is so right. sad. And, and and we see the grooming. I want you to talk about grooming because this is something mm -hmm. that I've seen on your page. In fact, um, I'm gonna read this graphic that you put up. In fact, you have this pinned and um, yeah. it's Hey Target, right? So a yeah. lot of people yeah. are aware of what's going on with Target. And um, I want you to talk about this because I think it's important. I mean, I, I've even thought about, because I'm not a boycott person either. I know you said you're no, not really a boycott a person. Fault. I'm really not either. And I, I've, I've been thinking through though, at some point though, it, it's like, I just... Like I did this with Disney Plus. We canceled Disney Plus because like I just it's not a, it's not really a boycott. It's just like I'm not going to pay for this. I'm not going to fund this right. anymore. Right. So it says, hey, Target, we had a good run. But rather than listen to your customers, you chose to double down on grooming. And you have pictured a baby's onesie with pride emblems all over it. Right. Um, and telling people it's OK to reject their body. And then you also have a photo there of tuck friendly construction bathing suits for girls, but obviously tuck-friendly, mm -hmm. meaning boys could wear them. Mm -hmm. This is unreal to me that this is Target in our day and age right now. If our voices mm -hmm. don't matter, perhaps our dollars will. So bye. Just bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Talk about that. Like what led you, because there's passion in that post. Talk about that. Yeah. I, I, for me, it was enough is enough. And I know that I came to the party 10 years kind of too late. Um, but as, as I already said, I'm not a boycotter. I'm not a, oh, let's, let's get our, you know, all up in arms out over every single crime and sin and ethical decision that a corporation does that we don't agree with. We'd have nowhere to shop. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I understand that we're Christians living in the world, not of the world, and such is life. It's it's going to get worse. We know it's going to get worse, and we are responsible to keep the church on track, keep our families on track. But yeah, the transgender stuff it it's a personal issue. I have I have a family member back home in New Zealand who is completely um, a, when I say completely is attempted to transition mm-hmm. into a man. Uh, she never will be, of course, and it's it's a heartbreaking move. But everything that the media and our these big businesses are doing is feeding the lie that she can't be who she is, made in the image of God, a woman that doesn't fit some kind of weird idea of femininity and has been presented with this option to mutilate her body, mm. shorten life and be a lifelong drug addict to hormones that will never fix the underlying problem which is in here Mm. and it makes me very angry because that's someone i love and i have three daughters of my own who have to be who have to grow up in this world and they don't listen they're not listening to the weird religious crazies who are saying it's not okay i'm coming at this I don't need the Bible to make my stand on this. It, the transgender ideology completely collapses on itself, philosophically, logically, and ethically. Mm-hmm. You don't need the Bible to make any of those arguments. So to see them continue to push this idea, and of course it's not only them, but for some reason Target has particularly made this a marketing point for them. Yeah. And then it sort of irritates me from that angle too, as someone who knows the the steps that you go through to market a product and really try and highlight its best features. Uh, I'm all for marketing. I'm not all for lying. You can yeah. market a lie. You can market the truth. And they've opted to dust, you know, and polish off an absolutely horrendous lie mm-hmm. to present it as colorful and fun and wonderful. And at the end of the day, unfortunately we saw with other companies like Bud Light and things like that, when you don't give them your money, it catches their attention. Well, I hope you're enjoying this conversation that I'm having with Phoenix Hayes on identity. I want to take a moment and tell you about one of our sponsors for today, and that is Good Ranchers. American meat delivered right to your door, which is one of the reasons I love Good Ranchers. I don't have to go to the store, put it in my car, lug it up my stairs. It shows up right at my doorstep. And this is such high quality meat that you can put right in your freezer and thaw out when you're ready to cook it, which is actually what I'm doing right now. I've got some gorgeous steaks upstairs thawing out that I'm going to cook up for dinner tonight, going to grill them with some good seasoning. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I do love that their beef is pastured. It's grass fed, no hormones, no antibiotics used ever. The chicken that you buy from Good Ranchers actually has higher standards than the organic chicken that you buy in the store. So if access to food that you can trust is important to you as it is to me, I can't recommend Good Ranchers enough. In fact, there's a reason that they've won best food subscription two years in a row. They've got really genuinely great products and top tier customer service, which I haven't talked a lot about yet, but um, that is something that they do very, very well. So lock in your price for two years when you subscribe today. If you go to goodranchers.com, use my code ALISA for $30 off your first box, and that will lock in your code, uh, your, your price for two years. Again, that's goodranchers.com. Use my code ALISA to lock in your price for two years and get $30 off your first box. How do you approach this as a mom? I know you mentioned you have three daughters, um, and we, you know, we've just done a couple of episodes on the transgender issue. Um, you know, preparing parents to talk to their kids about it, and then we did an episode mm-hmm. with Frank uh, on his book, "Correct, Not Politically Correct." So we've kind of touched a lot of the topics surrounding that. But I'd love to hear from you, just as a mom, like how do you talk to your kids about this stuff? Like, have they been in Target and seen some of these things, or how do you introduce these topics? Fortunately, they're still fairly young, so it hasn't come up naturally, though. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I guess, funny thing is my seven, she's now eight, but my seven-year-old at the time is obsessed with flags. 
So oh, naturally, sure. when you see rainbows all over flags, she was curious about what country that represented. And I had to tactfully sort of explain, well, it's not a country. It's let's just call it a community. And mm -hmm. um, and we kind of left it there because, like I said, she's seven. She she saw a butterfly and forgot about it. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we did have a very interesting conversation just last night. She has a stuffed Pikachu <laughs> from Pokemon. And she said to me, uh, I'm not sure if Pikachu is a boy or a girl. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I, I always just assumed he was a boy. And she said, maybe he has no gender. And suddenly mm. my jaw dropped and I thought, no, I, we're, this is happening. Where did you yeah. hear this word? And yeah. so <laughs> immediately I, 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 I start going into all these different tactics of, okay, okay, so, so no gender, no gender. Uh, how many genders do you think there are, honey? And um, thankfully she, she passed the test. She's like, there are, oh, oh, two, there are two. It's <laughs> like, oh, thank goodness. Okay. Because she's only in second grade, but you just yeah. don't know what. <laughs> Well, and, and it's, it's, they're being so indoctrinated from at such a young age. It's, I mean, it's it's like she even knew the word gender and how that relates. That was with, what triggered me. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. She knows that word. What's the context that she's learned that in? And yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. So, well, do you think this is just a modern day kind of? Because it seems like a lot of this stuff has just happened recently. But then there's these underlying things that I think go all the way back. So is this just a modern day problem, or do you think this is an ongoing question for humanity from the beginning when it comes to identity i i think that's i honestly think the question of identity is such a privileged question um it 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 indicates that you have the time and the money to stop and just be reflective um, and just kind of obsess about yourself quite honestly who am i what, what how do i fit how do i relate um how do i feel where do I feel most comfortable in society? And I don't think that that was a question that most of humanity had the luxury to sit mm. and ponder over. Mm. And then on top of that, they weren't given the options that we have. So there's one, there's the opportunity to, to simply even ask the question. Two, it's to ask the question and actually have more than one answer before you, right? Um, I mean, women alone, I mean, aside from economic status, depending on where you were, uh, women haven't been allowed to be educated or vote or, or, or have any of these rights for a large portion of the history of humanity. Um, so there's that aspect. And then on top of that, we've got the technology, which represents ideas that we never would have thought of on our own within mm. our own circle. So it's like it's a three layered issue that's very, very modern. But what ages ago you asked me what's the tie between identity and apologetics this is the piece that i think is the core of all humans and that's the the desire to know to tr make the best sense of reality and the best sense of how you fit into that reality and that relationship and finding something constant that grounds you as you go through life and as you say right now everyone anybody who puts that identity on whether it's something you do whether it's a role you play within your family if it's motherhood if it's your skin color if it's your occupation if it's your sexuality your gender you name it whatever it is these as you as you say these are if you try and make any of these things a core identity all of those things can be fractured uh, mm -hmm. they can be removed they can be changed the social expectations and view on that thing can change. I mean, it's not like you can go from white to black and then you're going to lose that, but what it means to be white or black can certainly change. Um, and you hear of people who build their identity around being, you know, a, a very successful CEO, things like that. They go into retirement and they kill themselves because mm -hmm. now they're so yeah. lost. They don't know yeah. who they are. Mm -hmm. um, mothers who just dedicate themselves 150% to their children and don't build anything else out. They become empty nesters and now they're in a crisis. All these different things. The baseline was, my gosh, what is it that every single human is designed to look for? It's, it's that personal meaning and that personal understanding of how you fit. And I thought that is the apologetic for God. Mm. 
there's no other explanation for why humanity would seek that again and again and again. And sure, we co constantly misplace it. But, you know, I know from a naturalistic perspective, you could say, oh, it's about, you know, establishing community and that's all a part of survival and things like that. Sure, that's been a default argument for all kinds of things. It's been the default argument for morality, for why we don't go around killing and raping constantly because we want to be, you know, accepted in our community for, for survival purposes. But each one of us knows it's more than that. Mm -hmm. We need to know where we came from, what makes us matter, what makes us have any value, and what makes us fit in a constantly changing world and something that we control that can't be taken away, that can't be belittled or devalued by other people. And that's that identity as image bearer. And if you've got Christ in your life, you ought to know that. You ought to recognize that that is your core identity. It's immovable, unchangeable. Now, that's the identity of everybody else, too. But they're lost. They don't know it. If you deny mm. the existence of the person that you, whose image you bear, you're going to continue the rest of your life looking for these false identities. So that's, that's where the apologetics piece weaves into it. I love that because I kind of see it as like a two-tiered thing. You hear everybody talk about identity and they'll say things like, well, you just have to know who you are in Christ. And that's true. As a Christian, you do need to know who you are in Christ. You've, you are saved. You are a child of God. You're adopted into God's family. That's all a part of your identity in Christ. But there's this other piece, and that's I love that you touched on that. That's everyone's identity, which is a person who's been made in the image and likeness of God. And that's such mm -hmm. a key element. And not everybody understands both, right? We mm -hmm. Every single human being that's ever been born has been made in the image and likeness of God. And because of that has inherent dignity and value and worth. And that's something like if the culture could just get hold of that, it would cure so many of our societal problems. Uh, yes. But not everyone who's made in the image of God is in Christ. But once we are in yeah. Christ, then that core identity is that we are adopted into God's family. We are a child of God and we are forgiven. We are reconciled to, to a holy God. And that really is such a beautiful thing when people can understand it. But it's almost as if, like, I wonder, do you think that culture... It just blows up the importance of identity, and that's why they're they're so confused sexually and in all these other ways, or just maybe not putting it in its right place. What do you, what do you think about that? Right, um, I it's I think it's hard to blow up something that is so core to understanding how to navigate reality. But certainly, the conversations around it are blown up because they want to. If it leads you to obsess about yourself on an ongoing mm. basis and to continually reassess and reassess and redefine and recategorize, because this is what you're seeing, like, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, they, they, they go through the list of what is it? I'm, I'm homosexual. Actually, no, I'm trans. Actually, now I'm a straight trans. No, actually, I'm a homosexual trans um and now no i'm non-binary like you just you, there's so many people that come to mind especially in um hollywood and you know celebrity areas that just go through this evolution of constantly needing a new category and it's so narcissistic to just be constantly thinking mm. about me, me me what am i well if you could just get to the heart of it you're an image bearer of your creator i know that you don't want to accept that because there's a lot of ties attached to that, that you probably don't want to have to deal with the morality aspect, the submission aspect, the every, the eternity aspect of it. It's a, there's a lot of baggage attached to recognizing that truth, but no matter what you do, you can't erase that truth. So when people try to, they're just going to spend the rest of their lives obsessing about me, who am I and how do I feel about me and what category do I want to fall into and how do I want you to treat me and how do I want you to identify me and da, 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 da. it just goes on and on and on and it does breed this very narcissistic society mm. so no identity isn't a small issue but it's a fairly simple one if mm. you get it right that yeah. that core piece needs to be right all the other things are going to be different the things that make help you navigate who you are in your, not that you live in a different reality from me, Elisa, but your 
understanding of navigating reality is going to be different from mine because of your passions and your strengths and the children God gave you and the number he gave you and, um, you know, any number of things the, the your, your heritage, all those things are of course going to color your experience, but none of those things, as you said, are your core. And if you can get the core right, the rest can move. It can flow, it can ebb, it can change, but you're okay because you've got that anchor. Mm. You know, I I think about what my kids' generation, Gen Z, is having to face in this topic, and I'm wondering your thoughts on how are questions surrounding identity impacting Gen Z differently than maybe they have other generations? Yeah, it's 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 again, it's it's choice overload. I remember coming out of high school and um, at a year that will remain unnamed that <laughs> <laughs> and um, struggling with the abundance of choice, which again is is such a luxury to be complaining about to have that choice. but there is certainly this problem of over choice and it breeds this anxiety and this pressure and the stress to pick right. Mm and to just know what you're meant to do with your future. So I think of that feeling when I'm in my late teens and I think of that applied to identity and understanding who you are and the anxiety that comes with that. I mean, this is the kind of decision that impacts what kind of harassment you're likely to deal with because every group assumes that they're hated when they're not affirmed, which is also a false dilemma mm. that people can constantly perpetuate. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a, a tremendous amount of anxiety and you see it with the suicide mm. rates, you see it with the mental health issues. There's absolutely no coincidence that the transgender spike is completely in alignment with those that are already dealing with underlying mental mm. health challenges. It's just like, but you can't say that. Right. Um, even though it's, it's the data. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's now is the time more than ever for the church to get this right when it comes to who you are and feeding that into our kids and creating room for our kids to be male or female however they want to be with it like within within a biblical sense that doesn't mean i want to be a male but dress as a woman and that's my manhood no it's not that's there's something off there but and sure people are going to challenge me on that because it seems like a moving standard but we only have so much time to talk about it here yeah yeah but but to make room for the little girl that wants to do stereotypical boy things yeah. let her my mother let me yeah I, yeah I and and i grew out of it and some of it i didn't grow out of i still like to do but i understood that it wasn't an either or i could still be fully female and 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 you know of course thank thank goodness jesus caught my heart really really young because sometimes i wonder if i would be some crazy shaved yeah. hair feminist or something right, right. yeah you <laughs> just don't know what these alternative realities would look like so and so he you know so i i understood the value of submission and and fitting certain biblically honoring roles that make me feel fuller and happier they're not they're not just these awful corners that they put women in i right. i love being a woman yeah. and i love having the freedom to do what i do and you know better than anyone that the apologetics world is very masculine but yeah i don't see that you have compromised on your femininity in any way and nor do i plan to yeah. and um there's room there's room to be exactly how god made you uh, so long yeah. as you're you know following his design you're not trying to push beyond it which again is another progressive issue where it's like, well, he made me gay. And it's like, right, okay, right. okay, okay, we're getting off track again. <laughs> right, right. No, that's mm. interesting because this is something I've been pondering a lot. And I even asked uh, Dr. Jeff Myers a, a question I'll ask you too, because I'd love to hear how you would answer it because it it's sort of along that topic because there certainly are culturally constructed stereotypes that we come up with. For example, 
that girls like the color pink or that boys mm-hmm. like the color blue. In fact, one of the most tragic things I've ever heard is there was a progressive pastor talking about how there was a family in his church where the the little boy at just a couple months old would reach for the pink blanket. And mm-hmm. so the family interpreted that as that that baby was transgender and then began to facilitate a type of transition for that child, just basically starting with the fact that this little boy had reached for a pink blanket. Now, the progressive pastor was all for it. He was saying, look, this is a wonderful family and this is what you should do. But I'm thinking, but that's a stereotype, right? There's maybe that baby just liked the color pink. There's nothing wrong with that. My dad um, was a musician his whole life and he played with dolls when he was a little boy. And his grandfather, I think it was his grandfather, chastised him for it and said, oh, you're not being a man. Well, that's a stereotype that girls Mm -hmm. have to play with dolls or that you know, I mean, there may be something innate related with that, that because mm-hmm. women's bodies are designed for motherhood, that they might more naturally gravitate toward a doll and to nurture a doll. But there's certainly nothing wrong with a boy who does that because he's a father. He's, you know, body is designed to be a father. Men. So there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's something in there, too. So there certainly are certain things that are stereotypes. And so, I mean, that's one of the things I've said on the podcast a bunch of times is that when I've talked to my kids about this topic, one of, the, I think, the things they have found the most freeing is I say, look, you guys, your biology is what determines your gender, right? So if you as a girl like things that are stereotypically more male, that doesn't make you a male. Um, I personally prefer male hoodies. I I don't like the way the girl hoodies are cut. So I like I buy my (laughs) hoodies from the men's section. That doesn't mean I'm a man. And so I guess the question I want to ask you how you would think this through is that certainly I agree. I agree that we need to be telling our kids, look, this stereotypical stuff, like you be you, your body, your biology is what determines whether you're a man or a woman. So if you're a girl and you want to have a short haircut or you're a boy and you want to do something more artistic or go into cooking or something like that, you know, that doesn't have any impact on your gender. But at the same time, there is something biblical that God values about these innate qualities of femininity Mm -hmm and masculinity. So how do we navigate that? I'd love your perspective on this, because this is honestly a question that I've been thinking through more and more, because yes, I want to tell my kids, your clothes aren't what makes you male or female. But at the same time, like you mentioned, we shouldn't be trying to dress as the opposite gender, but but realizing that some of these things are culturally constructed. How do we navigate yeah. that? How do you navigate that? Yeah, I think that that's that's the reality of what we're living, what we're dealing with whether you like a cultural norm or not, it exists. So there are certain things that, I mean, think of it back in the 1950s when women couldn't wear pants. I think, gosh, what a time. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad that they kind of softened that soil for us. Yes. Because I like pants. (laughs) Yes, me too. I like pants. Um, and, And today you can wear pants and there's no question that you're trying to buck a cultural norm. It's, it's a widely accepted thing. And yet a hundred years ago, not so then, then you could have been ridiculed for trying to reject a cultural role. And yeah, it's a completely arbitrary thing. Um, but this, we deal with those cultural expectations in every facet of life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's just part of being human. Um, when you go to another country, where let's say it's, um, I think of something like okay, in Japan where they want to hear you slurp your noodles. This is such a silly example, but they want to hear you slurp your noodles because it's in, it's indicative that you're enjoying it. It's is good. That right, I didn't know that. It's complimentary wow. to the, the cook and all those things, right? Well, you're not going to go in there and say, yeah, but I I don't want to because that's just an arbitrary, weird cultural thing. So I'm not, no, you're now prepped with that information and it's up to you now to use that information to make a decision, which will affect how this family receives you. So you can't go in and say, well, that's just a cultural thing. Yeah. I'm not going to start my noodles. Well, you do that knowing that you may offend. Yeah. Right. So sure. A guy could put a dress on in a hundred years and culture has shifted in such a way that it wouldn't immediately make him an outcast. Perhaps the style has changed. They found a way to make it. They're like somehow. a kilt, a Scottish yeah, kilt or exactly. something. Yeah, exactly. Like they found a way to make a hybrid kilt thing. Because, I mean, we know that men wore 
robes like right. you know for a long long yeah. time jesus yeah oh gosh have you seen the meme with the whole jesus wore a dress don't get me started no no but, but i can imagine it i can just imagine it oh yeah, my yeah, goodness yeah. um you get, you get the idea the cultural thing is so arbitrary and it's just these rules we make up and the rules keep changing that is okay so long as you understand it and you understand the game that you're a part of you you don't have to like it but you you can't deny that you don't know the rules so is it what god intended every woman must wear a dress and every man must wear pants no but he, he there is an understanding that he gives us our identity and then within that identity there's the expression of it and then as a society we come up with the rules that certain things are acceptable and other things aren't and we we challenge them and we push boundaries and i think that's okay to a certain extent but when your intent is is outright rebellion mm, this is good now yeah. we have a problem yeah. um i i know i've seen pastors chastise women who choose to have short hair because of you know new testament mm -hmm. passages about i don't you know want to you know women shouldn't look like men and they shouldn't cut their hair short and things like that well that's a culturally specific passage yeah today when a woman cuts her hair short 99 percent of the time it is not because she's trying to pass off as a man right it's simply a cultural stylistic Just choice cute, yeah cute style yeah yeah, that's good. The way I've explained it to to my kids is that there's nothing wrong with, I think, there's nothing wrong with me buying a hoodie from the men's section because I like the way that it's cut. There yeah. would be a problem with me buying a hoodie from the men's section with the intent of trying to look like a man. And I think that's right. really the, maybe the, you know, where where the the line would be is that if yeah. you're if you're doing it and it's, I think the motivation is important, but also even if it, if if I started buying a bunch of stuff from the men's section to where it looked, I looked like a man, that would, I think, be mm -hmm. a problem. And I think, yeah. you know, we don't quite know where those lines are going to be, but I, so much of it has to do with intent and motivation. If you're not trying Definitely. to pass as a man, if you're trying to pass as a man, that's a problem. If you're dressing like right. a man in that way. So, yeah, it's right. interesting. I've just, I've just been pondering that question, but in regards to how this is affecting Gen Z, I think, you know, gosh, we got to really be praying for our Gen Z kids because mm -hmm. I was even talking to some students recently and I said, you know, when I was your age, if I held to a biblical sexual ethic, my friends might have thought I was old fashioned. They might have thought I was a goody two shoes. But you guys, if you hold to a biblical sexual ethic, they're actually telling you that you're a harmful person that are right, causing people to be depressed and kill themselves. And I mean, mm -hmm. what an amazingly just difficult thing to have to stand up against as Gen Z. Right. And then there's all these the categorical confusion. Um, I even, you know, my, my daughter was saying the other night that, she, I don't know if you saw the Jesus Revolution movie, but she goes, I just wish that we could live in that time where, you know, just people just sang from their hearts to God. And it was just, you know, and I love that, that she was saying that. But I think, you know, in a way, there was so much cultural unrest back then with the yes. war and with the sexual revolution. But it's almost like we have all of those types of elements today, but adding to it, people are switching or thinking they're switching their genders. And, and it's just an added level of chaos that our yeah. kids are having to, to face. So, man, we really got to be praying for, for Gen Z and everybody listening be praying for Gen Z because what they're facing is, I think, unprecedented. It's unprecedented, Absolutely. not in the sense that society, I mean, even in the Roman Empire, you had cross-dressing. There were things going on that sure. were similar to what's going on today. But never in history has there been such an amplification of it due to the Internet yeah. and social media. And I think that's the element that our kids are having to, to deal with that is a bit unprecedented in history. So yeah. with, with identity, you, you define it a little differently than other researchers in the field. Like how, what is your, your definition that differs from maybe other people who are working on this topic? Well, it, everyone, they want to connect to different things. So like, as you said, you mentioned Freud, who wanted to reduce identity completely down to sexuality. Others want to keep it very, very layered. And, uh, you know, identity is a, um, and I think this is the most popular view. Identity is partially socially constructed, partially 
familial, partially just DNA, like what do you feel you are partial? And it's all these different layers and all of them are correct. And often they are because it's not really like a contradictory category. It's not like, well, you can't be, you can't be white and also, I don't know, a woman. Like a lot of these are complementary yeah. categories. You can have a lot of them. Um, and, uh, and then the, and then there's the ones that will take it. And when it's all just psychology, so it's 100%, whatever you feel you are. And that one is completely detached from reality to a, to a large mm -hmm. extent. If we can get it right and understand it, like in Christianity, there's like primary, secondary, tertiary layers to it. So long as you've got that primary correct and solid, there's no question that the secondary and tertiary aspects of our faith walk are going to influence our understanding of reality and our relationship with God, our relationship with the church. It's a similar understanding of identity where there's that primary identity. And that's the one that people have lost. And that is your, your identity as an image bearer. And that's your core. And then you're going to have secondary and then you're going to have tertiary. Yeah. That's good. Any final words on identity? Anything you, you wanted to say you didn't get a chance to say? Yeah. Yeah. You, when you really cut me off now, <laughs> I was thinking, well, you, cause you make a very correct point that this is an entirely unprecedented situation that our children are facing. And the way I've likened it, I likened it, I liken it to the tower of Babel where mm. I don't know how Americans say it. We say Babel, you guys say Babel, I guess. Yeah, Babel. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, and the idea was that, that they were building it in order to be closer to God and to become like God and, and things like this. Same thing. Um, you know, that was the lie that Satan gave to Eve. If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. We are at an age where we are the most like God than we've ever been in terms of omniscience, um, within a, you know a, cl a click of a finger, we can know what's happening on the opposite side of the opposite side of the planet. We have unlimited access to knowledge. We have advanced technology in the medical field where we can play God. We are mm. picking up embryos and dumping others in the trash. We have found a way to mutilate our bodies to replicate the opposite sex, though mm. we'll never actually be it. Um, and you know what? One comedian. I listened to a bit from her and then I was done. I couldn't, I couldn't anymore. I mean, all comedians these days are a little off color anyway, but at this point I was like, turn it off. Yeah. She decided to share a fun story about how she knew that she could get pregnant. She wasn't a mother yet, but she knew she could because she'd had an abortion several years ago. Mm. And she tells the fun story about how she went and had it. And, um, rather than go and take some time off and, and heal from the process, she skipped off back to work. And she said these words, you know how I felt when I crossed the street, went back to work, I felt like God. And the wow. whole audience bur bursts out laughing because wow. she felt so empowered. And she used wow. the word, I was God. And I was wow. like, bingo, mm. that's what we've become. And this is this Tower of Babel going higher and higher and higher. And we're going to hit a peak and it's going to come crashing down. We know what happens. We know the end of the story. But this is the unprecedented time that we're in where we've never been more like God. Mm. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good word. Well, tell our audience how they can connect with you and uh, follow you on social media and all the things. All the things. I am Phoenix Hayes. It is not a common name. So when you hear it, most people tend to remember it. I'm the mm -hmm. opposite. I forget the name before you've even finished saying it. Yeah, the same. same. <laughs> uh, so of course, I'm with Cross-Examined. And uh, so wherever Frank is, you'll often find me nearby. But Phoenix Hayes, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I haven't started my YouTube yet because time, but it's coming eventually when I finish doing my my work on this book so yeah very good thank you so much for having me oh i loved it well i want to thank my guest phoenix hayes for being on the show tonight what a joy to get to talk with her definitely follow her follow along on social media and also want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by southern evangelical seminary where i'm a student and 
SES is just so wonderful, guys. Go to ses.edu slash Elisa. You can download a free ebook there and find out about what they have to offer. I'm looking forward to my classes in the fall. Thanks so much for tuning in. Of course, it always helps if you share this out on social media. If you're listening on audio platforms, it helps if you go and leave a review. You, you all have done such an amazing job. We have thousands of reviews on Apple right now. I'd love to see even more. It really helps get the word out and get it into the suggestions of more people, into the news feeds of more people. And even if you just see this go by on social media, click like, leave a little comment. That all helps with those algorithms. And as we pursue Christ, let's remember to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.